0: Listen to me, all of you. I bring you here to the county fair, and all I ask is that you do something. You make some noise. But no. You all sit there with your crimped hair... And I'm not prejudiced. I'm not. I don't care if you're white or you're black or you're brown. Just speak up, damn it! Oh, what's the use? Silence of the Lambs. You're all mutton to me! Will not be presented at this time. You will never be as popular as pork. In order to bring you the following special podcast.
1: Perhaps you've heard of Pegas! It's almost live. Still alive. It's alive! A limited podcast series about Northwest Television's legendary TV sketch comedy show. An amazing phenomenon. Featuring intimate conversations with the writers, performers, creators.
2: Rustlers, cutthroats, murderers, bounty hunters, desperados, bushwhackers, hornswagglers, horse thieves,
3: bulldogs, train robbers, bank robbers, ass kickers, shit kickers, and mercenaries.
1: Your host was one of them. I think I would remember a thing like that. Pat Cashman. What's the matter with you? Almost live.
2: This is just a real nice surprise. Still alive. Just a real nice surprise.
1: My guest this time
0: around is a pastor and evangelist whose televised sermons are seen by millions around the world. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, He preaches from the same church his father founded in Houston. Cashman, hold on a second. His best-selling books have been read by millions. Cashman, stop! What? That's the biography of Joel Osteen. Okay. That's not the right Joel. Yeah? That's not the right guy. Is that so? Joel Osteen was never on Almost Live. Oh, well, I think he was. He wasn't. Was. He wasn't. Was. Wasn't. Was. Wasn't. Maybe they, you know, just forgot to put his name in the credits. That's the wrong Joel. Oh, wait a minute. You're right. Mm-hmm. My goof up. Yeah. Sheesh. Oh, this is embarrassing. Kind of. Mm. Yeah. I see what I did. Do you yeah. now? Okay. Yeah. great. great. Uh, let's start again. You got it. My guest this time is a professional NBA basketball player from Canada. Oh, wrong guy again. What? Joel Embiid. Embiid? That's a name? He plays for the 76ers. They're not very good, are they? That's not the point. Okay, let's reset again. Okay, sure. My guest is Australian actor and filmmaker Joel Edgerton. Wrong again. Oh, come on. Sorry. How Uh, about Joel Cohen? Nope. Kinneman. Uh-uh. Gray. No. Murray. Incorrect. Courtney. Nick. Tobeck. Mm. Prisbella? Not close. He's lead vocalist for the punk band Good Charlotte. Mm. Yeah? No. Nuts. I know. Old time actor from the forties and fifties, Joel McCrae. He died thirty years ago. Well, that doesn't mean he wouldn't be a good guest. You know, you should have prepared for this a little what bit. What about around. that guy that goes? Sing us a song, you're the oh, piano man. Come on. Man. Joel Billy, I think it is. Look, would you just read this? Okay. Here? Come on. Read it. As- oh, yeah. Jeez. Oh, this guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I know him. Do you know? Yeah. Can we edit that first stuff out? Definitely. Good. It's done. All right. Great. Yeah, we got it. Here we go. Jeez. My guest this episode is Joel McHale. Good. Actor, comedian, author, producer, TV host. Right. And guy who did The Piano Man. Would you read what's written? Right. right. He hosted The Soup for 11 years on the E! Network, and he starred in the NBC sitcom Community for six seasons. Mm -hmm. He's been in dozens of movies and TV shows and commercials and Mm -hmm. video games. Mm -hmm. For crying out loud, he's hosted the ESPY Awards, the Independent Spirit Awards, People's Choice, the Webby's. Even the White House Correspondents Dinner. Yeah. Remember when they used to have those? I do. He's had yep. Netflix shows. He's even the host of the game show reboot of Card Sharks. Mm-hmm. Now, I could go on and on, but let's let him do that. You know, you could have said that better. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Joel Edward McHale was born in Rome, the one in Italy. But he grew up in Mercer Island, uh, the one in Lake Washington. His dad is Jack from America. His mom is Lori, from Canada. Joel is 1.93 centimeters tall, and he lives in Hollywood with his wife, Sarah, and his two boys, Eddie and Isaac. All people in Hollywood are required to have a swimming pool. So we caught up with Joel after he had completed a half lap. That was just brilliant. I appreciate that. So I don't want to dominate. Yes, I do. I want to dominate your time, but I I, I know you have
4: limited and... Yes, um, I've got about five minutes, so go ahead.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: okay.
4: I um, must so, sound very good, because this microphone makes me... sound good. It's like, makes me sound like... Really good. Like John Keister in 1981.
0: Joel McHale, as I live and breathe, well, it's you, ooh. me lad. And we're <laughs> speaking to you from your home, or uh-huh. uh, what you... Uh, the, a home, a play, a house that you've inhabited and won't leave, and... Um, no. So, uh, it's great
4: to hear from you, Bill. Thank you for that. I
0: appreciate it. Uh, you were my favorite uh, cast member. Not a lot of people use my middle name. So thank you. Uh, Mr. I, um, speaking of names, uh, we all know, cause we've heard this lore all the time that, that the people in show business have stage names, mm-hmm. like Michael Caine, I think was Maurice Micklewhite and Hulk, Hulk Hogan was Terry Jean Ballette and Bruno yep. Peter Jean Hernandez, Shania Twain you think Shania Twain would be Samantha L. Clemens, but yeah. her real name is Eileen Edwards. Uh, so yeah. what I have in my notes here is that you also have a stage name, yes. and it's your real name. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Joel. Okay. Uh, Pol Pot
4: McHale. Am I That's, right about that? Uh, yes, that is uh, correct. My, Why did you change it? It, um, it was the alliteration that bothered me. Uh-huh. Um, I was actually born... Tom Cruise. And then I, uh, my parents changed it to Pol Pot McHale. And then I changed it to Joel McHale. Because uh-huh. uh, Joel is a Jewish name. And nice. I am Ashkenazi. And you're not Jewish. You? Uh, no, I'm Ash- 100% Ashkenazi Jew. Oh,
0: you are? Oh, mm-hmm. I did not know that. Huh? Yeah. Because it says in my notes here, you're part Irish and part maybe Norwegian or something. Oh, like?
4: yeah, that's right. I was wrong about that. Yep. That's okay. Right. All right. That's so, I'm almost so I'm... half and half. And then there's little bits of uh you know other the other w- very white uh people in there but it's uh, my and also sarah my lovely wife of almost 23 years pat you'll get there
0: hard to believe she's that old now oh.
4: um, i was at your wedding
0: certainly but, uh, you remember that. that's
4: definitely not true and well, uh, i was passed out
0: for a lot of yeah
4: you <laughs> That was the first time I knew that your son had good physical strength because he was pretty young then. He just dragged you out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Sarah just did the 23andMe and found out that she she's a lot of Norwegians. So I think we're basically brother and sister. Oh,
0: oh that's good. And well, explains like um, a lot. Let me. Uh, I'm gonna. This is. We, we know all all that's happened to you is is so legion that that I don't have time or frankly any interest in going into any of that. What? But oh uh I want to talk to you about the time leading up to almost live because yes. that's what this podcast is all about. Yeah. So, um tell us where you were born and no. where you lived and where you went to school. Uh well, uh Please. How much am I
4: making on this? It's going to be a big surprise. All right. I was born in Bend, Oregon in 1937. <laughs> and uh that was before
0: um, the only th- the only truth in that is that you were also born in a one-syllable town, but it wasn't Bend. Uh, was that's it not, not true. Uh, it I not was Rome? born in Roma. Rome. little while you're leaving, starting
2: on the journey home. Soon I'll be alone, the one who loves you. la, 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 la. la. Somewhere in the heart of Rome
4: uh roma i was born in rome italy uh not on purpose or very much on purpose uh my brothers were too uh my uh, how
0: how, how did that
4: happen my dad was in the cia no i don't mean how did it happen we know how it happened but why were you why was he at home what is peanut? okay uh my dad was is continues to be from Chicago and he wanted to get out of Chicago and uh, in Your dad's from Chicago? Chicago.
2: Chicago, Chicago, that of town.
0: I uh, knew a guy from Chicago. Who?
4: Oprah? Larry
2: Jenkins. I wonder no, if No,
4: that's mm, he's from Naperville. Which is okay. outside of Chicago. All right. Oak Park uh, was Larry's place. Oh, anyway, yes. go ahead. Ellen in- un- Incorporated, Oak Park. And so he saw the movie Roman Holiday in high school and pointed at the screen and said, That's where I'm going. And then written he... by
0: Written by Dalton Trumbull.
4: Oh, uh, yeah. that was my other stage name. I was. Under,
0: a, under an assumed
4: name. Yeah. Right, because of the, uh, the red list. Blacklist. Scare. Yeah. You state your full name. Dalton Trumbo. Uh, when and where were you born? Trumbo. I was
0: born in Montrose, Colorado on December 9, th- uh, 1905.
1: What is your occupation? My occupation is that of a life. I have some other questions, Mr. Trumbo, I'd like to ask you. Are you now, have you ever been a member
2: of the Communist Party?
0: Mr. Stribbley, you must have some reason
2: for asking you, me this question. You, you we can we address do. the good do. Uh
3: I understand that members of the press have been given an alleged Communist Party card
1: belonging to me. Is that true? No, it's, that's not You're not asking the question. I was. The chief investigators and asking the I question.
0: We digress. But anyway, your dad wanted to get to Rome.
4: And uh, my dad found a way to get there. And then my mom, um, her father was in charge. Uh, well, he worked for the UN, and he was in charge of stimulating fish populations around the planet. Uh, hmm. And which sounds like a crazy, it's a crazy, wonderful job. They moved from Vancouver, BC. And uh, so my mom was a student. My dad was a, uh, you know, he was a grad or he, he was in charge. He was the Dean. So it was a scandal. And Dean, uh, dean of Loyola. Yeah. Dean of students at the at Loyola yeah, University Rome Loyola, okay. Center. And Loyola okay. is also a school in Chicago. So that's how. Yeah, that's exactly. How there.
3: Hello and welcome to Loyola University, Chicago. Being the largest Jesuit college in the country, we embrace the values of Jesuit education, focus on care of the whole person, global awareness, service, and being men and women for others. We can see you here, and we believe that your journey starts at Loyola University, Chicago.
4: And um, they had a family, and uh, my aunt, uh, my aunts and uncles all live there. My aunt and uncle still live there. And really? uh, my grandparents moved from rome in 1980 1979 did
0: you pick up the language uh i
4: don't know language I,
0: would be Italy, italian
4: no i picked up japanese but All right. uh that's odd, that's uh, odd. Uh, yeah, yeah i don't know how that happened uh so uh that's how we ended up there and then we my dad did not want the dean of students job only paid like six thousand dollars a year and even though rome was cheap at that point they they decided they wanted to raise Americans for some reason hmm. uh no and so they wanted cuz we were they didn't have enough money for american schools so they decided to move to seattle cuz my dad my dad my grandfather gave my dad a lead for a job and when you go from swinging early 70s rome rome to seattle early 70s it is not Seattle was not yeah. the same place as, as it is today. There were billboards that said, "With the last person in Seattle, turn off the later. Yeah. lights" because Boeing right. was tanking. And the
1: Boeing company announced that they'd be laying off most of their workforce. They had 103,000 employees. They finally wound up at 39,000. Absolutely devastated the city of Seattle and its economy.
4: The economy was tanking, and my dad said as he drove to his job at Warehouser, which he had never worked in forestry or anything, he said out loud to himself, alone in the car, he said, the fun part of my life is over. <laughs> and uh, and got to them, you know, like God. almost 40 years later, 40 years later, uh, you know, they, they love it. And uh, I think once in a while the rain gets to them, but they, you know, Seattle has, you know, everyone knows what it's become. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so that's where that's how you got, how old were you when you moved to Seattle?
4: Really young, uh, like 19, I think it was like three or four. So you don't, you don't really remember Rome growing up there. I have uh, all these weird, you know, you know, when you know when you think you don't remember something and then you realize some of those memories are there. And you're like, oh yeah, I do remember that part. And I do remember that part. So there's some, yeah. like there's a city called Ostia Antica, which is the old port city of Rome, which is now nowhere near the, or it's very far away from the ocean now because silts moved in. And I was like, oh, I have very distinct memories. Yeah, yeah, ocean fled, we're out of here.
3: Ostia Antica, 30 kilometers southwest of Rome, was ancient Rome's major seaport. The clearly discernible ruins of restaurants, bakeries, shops, houses, and public meeting places gives a good impression of what life must once have looked like in the 50,000-strong town.
4: But, uh, so the, I have distinct memories of that, uh, of our VW Bug, which we seem to have 12 of them. <laughs> and uh, so then we moved to Mercer Island, Washington, which at that point was cheaper than Seattle, and that's why we moved there. Hmm. Uh, and now it's, uh, it's, it's gone up in value is and that then, the
0: original house that they live in now? Is that where you?
4: No, there was, grew up? was a different house oh. on the top of the island, uh, closer to the Mercer Island High School where I also went to, um, and uh, and so they so then we moved to New Jersey, uh, to Haddonfield, New Jersey, which is right outside of Philadelphia. With
3: history dating back to 1602, Haddonfield is one of the nation's oldest towns. Many historic and
0: period homes still exist today.
4: As you can see, Haddonfield is a great community with much to offer. How old were you then? Then I was like seven or eight, seven. Like, okay. so we weren't in Seattle for very long. And then- are so starting school at first, yeah, second grade there. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to, um, uh, let's see, I went to, well, I still, I hadn't started, I guess I had, I was just- getting out of, you know, it was just at the end of preschool. I think I did an extra year of preschool because no one could figure out why I couldn't read. And, uh, and so I went to a place called Pixie Hill in Seattle, excuse me, in Mercer Island. And then when we went to uh, New Jersey, uh, I was always very incensed because the Mariners were terrible in the seventies and they were a brand new team in the seventies. And then we went to 77, I think. Yeah. Well, then we went to, Uh, you know the the phillies were the philadelphia phillies it was it was the whole you know they won the world series and i felt so i was like i don't think i can root for them i can't just jump on this bandwagon uh like mike schmidt playing third base yeah it was Uh, a legendary team
1: tapped carlton will have to make the play he does so the royals go down in the seventh inning
4: and the flyers were great uh so then my parents didn't like New Jersey, and they didn't like the East Coast, and they also didn't like the way we were talking. Uh, I, I guess we sounded like we like, like were. How were you talking? I think we were like, hey mom, uh, when are we going into <laughs> Jersey? Uh, I think, I don't, yeah, I think we sounded like we were in the Soprano. That, that's what they, I think they kind of made that up, but. Come out and
1: shake it, you dirty yellow-bellied right' I'll give it to you through the
2: door. <laughs>
4: I think they realized how much they did like the Northwest, and the Northwest still was kind of an open frontier at that point, and is stunningly beautiful for six months out of the year. So they moved back, and they also realized they had a bunch of friends they had made, and yeah, yeah. And then they were in for the long haul. And we grew up on Mercer Island.
0: So, so you, so they went back to Mercer Island, and then they got the house that you, that they had. Then have they now? got
4: the house, which yeah. then get this they sold in the I remember late, this yeah tell people this yeah story. my parents sold their house in the late 90s and because my dad had a fantasy of owning a houseboat to which they bought a houseboat uh they lived on this houseboat i was married at that point so were one of my brothers i think and so maybe it, 97 98 yeah and like it, that. it was great yeah it was in the it was like 97 98 99 and i think er, well no yeah into the 2000s and it was great, and we loved it. It was tiny. They loved it. Where were they, it. they moored? Were
0: they on Lake Union, or where were they?
4: They were in, uh, they looked onto the Montlake Bridge and onto ah. the university, uh, so it wasn't, it Kinda wasn't. Kind of down
0: where Tom Hanks lived in the movie. Is this about that woman
1: in Baltimore?
3: Annie. I don't care what you do. Go it's fine.
1: I will not tell you what I'm doing this weekend. I'm getting late. 1990s, and nobody is getting late. I'm the only man in America who was getting late this weekend, and I haven't even laid that much.
4: Six girls in college, maybe seven.
1: How long have you been standing there?
2: Forever.
4: No, ironically, I can't believe I'm name-dropping now, but I know Colin Hanks a little bit. His son. Uh-huh. His son, and I know Tom a little bit. You know, we're friendly if we see each other. Uh, it's not like he's mean. Uh, but he lived to a door down from my my friend who grew up on the water while he was shooting Sleepless in Seattle. So people would just like get in like swim to see if you could see the Hanks from their window, like from the water in their window. And I remember thinking, I told Colin Hanks that and he was like, doesn't sound creepy at all, Joel. And I was like, oh, yeah, it is a little creepy. Just weirdos swimming by to see if they can get a glimpse of their dad. Uh, yeah. But what am I well, saying? So yeah, they grew up on the, uh, they grew up on the cut. It's called the cut everyone, because they made a little cut between uh, Lake Union and Lake Washington. It's where and, they have those, uh,
0: those uh, crew races. Yes. And, and I'll talk to you about that in a minute too, because you tried that out. I so, did. but then they didn't like it on the houseboat after a while. and they Well, moved, we began
4: they to get, they were, they realizing we were going to have grandkids. Uh-huh. And so they began looking again on Mercer Island and lo and behold, their own house was up for sale. So they bought their own house back. The house back, and um, yeah, it's crazy. And we, so they bought their old house back from them, from the people for a, a very like almost exactly what they paid for it. I don't know how they worked it out, but it had been five or seven years. I don't know how he worked it. Then, in a weird connection, my we have a close friend who is a teacher of Eddie's, my sons her and I get this her 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 husband used to date the daughter who lived in our old house and I was like whoa I couldn't even put together Mm. the coincidences anyway um so they've been there ever since and uh it's a it's a a house that has been loved to death I know it's still alive I mean I've been lucky
0: enough to go there a time or two now you so you went to grade school You went to a Catholic grade school, and then you went to Mercer Island High School. Yeah,
4: well, I went to public school up until... Oh, you did? Yeah, fourth grade. And then I went to St. Monica's on Mercer Island from 5th to 8th, which was uh, really a great experience. It really was. And uh, then we went to Mercer. Sir um, at that point, my brother had gone to Eastside Catholic and he hated it. And I, that was before Eastside Catholic was Eastside Catholic. Cause when I, when people told me just a couple of years ago, they're like, no, no, no. Eastside Catholic's like incredibly hard to get into and their sports programs are yeah. amazing. And I was yeah. like, are you sure? Cause when my brother went there, it was like a bunch of dumpy old buildings in the middle of an old park. And they're like, no, no, no. Now it's like the nicest high school in the play, And I was like, that seems to... I literally was so, I was like, nah, it's impossible. And so, uh,
0: so when you went to, to high school, middle school, or whatever
4: they call it now, uh, were you into sports? That's all I did. I was so bad at school, uh, that you bad at everything in school, except for history, because anything it. where there was a lecture, I was decent because mm-hmm. I could just listen to it write some stuff down because I'm dyslexic and ADHD and, or I'm not, I didn't, I'm self-diagnosed ADHD, but, uh, definitely. Did, did, did,
0: did, did anybody at the time say you're dyslexic? They, they didn't even know that word back then. No. Really, did they?
2: We've learned so much
3: about what dyslexia is and isn't. We know it's a brain-based condition that impacts reading, spelling, and writing, but it's not a problem with vision. Dyslexia is a problem with understanding and working with language. Dyslexia is a lifelong issue that tends to run in families, so there's often a parent or a sibling who also has it.
4: They said I was an idiot, and uh, that's half true. No, they said I was a slow starter. I was told that when I was a second grader, Mm -hmm. which we told, like my sons are dyslexic, and uh, we told the doctor, because the doctor was like describing Eddie's symptoms, and I'm like, you're describing me. And she said, oh yeah, I was wondering which one it was, because it's passed down from a parent. Really? and was
0: your, was your mother and dad are they dyslexic Ma, my
4: dad is dyslexic but i don't think he admits it and huh. uh and <laughs> he you do learn to read much faster as you get practice and practice and practice not fucking teleprompters that yeah. uh were the bane of my existence for a long time nah, I, wanna,
0: I was gonna get to that because um, when you got um i'm jumping all around here but i know who cares? You, it's fine. You got involved with um a thing that is still going strong in Seattle called Theater Sports.
1: It still is. It's yeah. going. That's, That's go- what I'm
0: told. It's another sold-out
1: Friday night here at Unexpected Productions in the Pike Place Market, home of the Northwest Premier Improvisational Group. Theater Sports, a long-running late-night hit.
0: Theater Sports, for people who may not know, is a very popular competitive impro- improvisational yeah. group. of People, and you were a part of that, and a big part of it. And that didn't require you to read anything. It was, yeah, that it worked was out great. Off the top of your head. So, and I'm again jumping ahead, but w- so when you go to almost live, we'll get to why you got there in a minute. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, if you're in a studio piece, you have to read a teleprompter, <laughs> and and you had yeah. to hide the fact that you, you were struggling through it because you couldn't. Oh, couldn't Pat, the
4: anxiety it. that I had going into live bits with teleprompters,
0: and you never told life.
4: anybody though, did you? No, because I didn't want to you know, I didn't want, I wouldn't admit that to anybody. And at that point I was, you know, I had a lot of shame about it that I couldn't read. And uh, now I celebrate it. Now I think it's the greatest thing. Now I'm like, it's an advantage. I mean, kind of, Uh, but yeah, I would go into those things because the pressure to perform and knowing that there was a live audience, I was just like, the combination was dizzying. And then I'd see people like you or John and you would just, it was effortless and uh, I was like, how do they do that? And so I would, I would just read stuff out loud. Like I'd be on the toilet and I just read out loud the shampoo bottle to, uh, I was like, maybe this will help. And um, did, did you,
0: did you try to beat that by memorizing a script?
4: Yeah. So I would memorize it as well. And, but there was still a lot of like, so you memorize it and then you, you, uh, you, you just hope that it doesn't change. You know, and I've talked to uh, like Bill Hader from SNL who's on yeah. Barry. He's got yeah. the same thing and he would just memorize everything he ever did and freak out. He said, I'd totally freak out if they started changing.
3: This place has everything. Shoots, <laughs> ladders, the outdoor concert from a Zoloff commercial. <laughs> a doorman who always high fives children of divorce. This place is gonna have everything. Ghosts, ghouls, goblins, my son. <laughs> and that TV channel at the hotel that's like, about the hotel.
4: And then I found out that Christopher Walken is the same one, where he oh. would ask for the sketches a week in advance, so he could have time with them.
2: Come on, James,
1: hey. I gotta have more cowbell. <laughs> But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I got to have more cowbell, baby. I think if, it's, if I just leave and uh, maybe I'll come back later, and we can lay down the cowbell. Come on, baby. Gene, wait. Guess what? I got a fever.
4: And the only prescription is more cowbell. And and so I know like the skill of people making these last minute adjustments is pretty pretty impressive and uh and i so i would this is why almost live was thank god for it because it was on a even though it was a big deal in the northwest it was a uh it was not i mean i know that the comedy central thing i came after the comedy central years but i was so uh but i was so lucky that i could fuck up on camera and only uh you know only a you know a number of Hundred thousands of people would see it, including all my friends who would make fun of me, but it wasn't on. I wasn't eating it on a national level, and so I loved taped bits. I loved the bits where we could improvise on camera. Yeah,
0: yeah. I want to talk about that too. I'm gonna just. I'm gonna again do a moonwalk back to do it when you uh when you got out of high school and you went to the University of Washington. Yeah. Uh, did, did you, since you you say you were not a very good student, did you how did you go to UW? Were you on an uh, athletic scholarship?
4: No, I was recruited to row, uh, to be on the rowing team. And- uh, Had you ever rowed before? Yes, I had rowed in high school.
3: I want to row on the crew, mama,
1: that's the thing I want to do, mama. You'll see your slim son, putting crimps in the crimson. When I row on that
2: varsity crew.
4: Anything that required that would allow me to play a sport and move around or run after a ball or run at something, I was <laughs> doing. Uh, the, I mean, I, to this day, I regret that I never wrestled. I was like, I should have wrestled, uh, but I played basketball and baseball and football and soccer and darts. I got into darts and I played a lot of pool. Uh, ping pong tennis team you fucking name it I well was...
0: you're a very competitive guy too
4: yeah it's not and I have to kind of control it I'm I mean I'm not like Jordan in the in the, so the last dance <laughs> I wish uh no but wasn't, uh... wasn't
0: that a great series by the way god that was.
4: okay great. I have it all recorded <laughs> yeah I, I know I it's the get, greatest. Yeah, I, I just, I'm about
0: halfway through it, and it's, it's fantastic.
4: You'll, you'll I'm just mock. worried about when he starts mocking Gary Payton that I'm going to, like, throw the, throw the computer. The glove. I had no problem with the
0: glove. Well, every time I see a shot of them playing the Sonics, it, I mourn the fact that the Sonics aren't in Seattle anymore. That, that just sucks. It's it fucking really sucked,
4: and it's Howard Schultz's fault, and he knows it. Yep, yep it is. And uh, he, he says that he's a victim. That's the best part. He's like, they, they tricked me. I was like, they tricked one of the greatest businessmen on the planet? They tricked yeah. you? I
3: regret it. Uh, there's nothing
4: I can do to bring the Sonics back. I uh, naively thought that uh, the
1: people who bought the team would keep it here. That didn't happen.
3: When did you know you made a mistake?
1: I think I knew maybe within a year when I started seeing young kids with Sonic jerseys on, and it really uh, made me realize, uh, the deep wounds of t- taking a sports fan's sport team away from young
4: fans. Just say, "Look, I it wasn't for me, and I some guy wanted to pay more than was ever paid for a, a basketball team, and I like money, so I took the half a billion dollars." That's all you have this to say. This is the
0: this is the approach of many uh, well-known billionaires, Joel, mm-hmm. who do not take the blame for anything.
4: <sighs> no, I mean it's like what's, when what's his name? I think it was uh, Rockefeller was on. His deathbed, the 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 oldest one, they were like, How much? John, John how, D. Rocket. Yeah, it was like, How much money is enough money? And he, he oh, someone's, hold on one second. Uh, I'll pause for a second as this, as my. Go ahead. As the, no. no, no, I'm going to let it, it's, that's the doorbell, which is hooked into the phone system. So the entire fucking house lights up like a Christmas tree. And
0: it sounds like it's saying, Love you.
2: Uh,
4: and then the, oh, yeah, they just accidentally, um, Love you. Then they, Then we have three dogs, and the dogs are like, Someone's here. And then they just run like it's a jailbreak towards the gates. Anyway, so what am I saying? We have
0: two dogs that do the same thing. Um, You you don't even need a doorbell if you got dogs. No.
2: Fuck. Anyway, uh, so what am I saying? So John
4: D. Rockefeller was asked on his deathbed, like, How much money is enough? He was just, and his answer was like, Just one more dollar. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Anyway, going back, I went to the University of Washington, and this is... Well,
0: I wanted to ask you, when you were at Mercer Island High School, uh, was Quinn Snyder playing then? No,
4: Quinn was in the 80s, was in the... uh... he was in the 80s, okay. 1984
0: was a state finalist uh, and Kinko champions. They went 25-3. and Quinn Snyder and Brian Schwabe were juniors.
4: So, Quinn's... I played with Quinn's little brother on the basketball team, and Quinn's dad was uh he was vice principal uh for those of you uh tuning in quinn snyder uh was the one of the better basketball players ever to come out of Mercer. Yeah, he, he was to duke he played on I think he coached got at
0: missouri i think and, and
4: then well he was an assistant co- coach uh for the Suns, i think yeah and he coached missouri i think that's right yeah um and there was another uh Brian Schwabe was also a player on his. Oh, I
0: remember him. Yeah. He
4: went to Northwestern and he was unbelievable. And then there was, it wasn't another- related
0: to Les Schwabi,
4: oh, the tire boy. guy, was he? Free beef
0: now at the Les Schwab side.
4: You know, I just ad libbed that. I, How did you come I up with not, that? I did not just, just, write that out. Can you just out. like That's take not, that apart? Cause this is like, no, like no that I can't tell IFC you, show iconoclast where they just like, have. are you? I do have, a, I do do have do like, do like
0: four or five writers in the room with me.
4: Really? That, that one, that one
0: was my own right there. Is Hans Eric in there? yeah he's here i'm sorry what <laughs> never mind places go back to what you were doing uh, become a child yeah he lives here now he lives with me
4: uh that's um, wonderful
0: um so so you're at u-dub and you're into every sport you can and, and you're particularly on the rowing team
4: uh, i went Did, I, you I, good crewed to row and that was when oh by the way this is how dumb i was when i got to, i say this and i jokingly say that i was dumb because if there's someone listening with dyslexia believe me uh i understand your your plight and you're probably the smartest person there that's how i always approached it No, but uh i
0: think i read that einstein was
4: dyslexic. yes they just totally couldn't yeah. fucking talk even uh yeah, and then that was a whole other thing uh, uh he was on the spectrum uh they say uh so uh I, t- I had to take this is how bad i was in math in high school i when i got to the UW. also this was a time when yeah, i know that the, when people hear i went to uw they'll go oh That's good. I'm like, it was not that way in the 90s. You could get in pretty easily. And I know that UW people are like, how dare you say that? Uh, (laughs) But you could get in pretty easily. So I also, I cheated all through high school because I didn't, I just, I was like, well, I, the only way I'm getting out of here is just by making all this is just by getting the answers. And so then when I got to college, I had to take a math class that was worth zero credit. It was a high school math class. I didn't have enough math credits from high school. They're like, okay, you got in, but you must take this math class just to get into like uh, college math or to, to mm-hmm. certain degrees required it. And I was flunking that like a champ. And the teacher said at the end, he goes, hey, are you going to take, uh, uh, are you going to go for a degree that requires any math? And I was like, fuck no. Why, no way am I going to, are you kidding? You can see how bad I am at this. And he goes, okay, I'm going to pass you but do not take anything with math. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't want to, I believe lucky. And you're, you're singing to the choir,
0: man. I just could not get math. I flunked it in college and you had to have it, you know, you had to have, but uh, yeah, somehow I graduated uh, for other reasons, but yeah, I I, I should
4: never have gone to college. I should, I
0: don't have the excuse of dyslexia either. I'm just stupid at math. I always have been.
4: Were you good? Weird question. No, uh, were you good at geometry?
0: No, and I'm not good at geometry, algebra, trigonometry. World
2: for me.
4: I was really good at geometry, my to the point where my teachers are like, What's wrong with you? You, you, I aced geometry and everything else was a deal. Well,
0: to tell you the truth, I don't think I ever got to geometry because you had to get through math first.
4: You had to get through like algebra. It was like
0: a second door into the house, and I never got to the second uh, door. Yeah.
4: So totally. I, I rode and I, uh, the rowing team, I don't know what they're like now, but they were a bunch of super assholes. And, uh, they had all these traditions and requirements and a lot of hazing, so, so right? much hazing. Cause I, my theory was, if you're if you participate in a sport that has no spectators they're going to come up with their own culture and figure out a way to feel important and this is me very being very insulting of the rowing team but I love that boys in the boat book uh yeah I was gonna bring that up that's great yeah that was good it used to be the sport at the UW yeah uh, and it's it's it, I mean they were prestigious. yeah incredibly good when I was there and I was on the. I was a freshman, so I and they would once if you got into the freshman boat, uh, they would shave your head and your eyebrows off, and then they would put all that hair into a pillow, which was then in a display case full of hair pillows, which was very Ed Gein. uh, That sounds normal. Serial killer. Hello,
0: I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my hair pillow. Thanks to your support, you've helped make my hair pillow become one of the fastest growing companies in
4: America and um then i didn't push a chair in properly they had all these colored tiles that you had to walk along and then this um so finally the the uh, senior rowing team had it with me and this guy named Jason Riney who is a lawyer for microsoft and married my high school friend uh Suzanne Russell uh so shout out to the Riney's and uh, uh and he uh, and so this the team surrounded us and smacked us <laughs> Uh, smacked us around and i i was like this is not what i should be doing and i uh and so i left and um i quit and i was in a fraternity at that point and i walked in and i was like i was like oh is this how fraternities work i tell them what happened and we all go down there and the fraternities like they're like we should report this to the police and um and we didn't. And I was just like, I'd see those guys on campus and they make my blood boil, just a bunch of dorks. And uh, so you can see how, how I've really let it go, Pat. I've really come to an, uh, but that was really weird. And I didn't fight back because I was like, I'm going to lose a fight pretty badly to 11 uh and so well
0: it's it, you know you got to at some point realize that no, this isn't for me and
4: yeah but i really not, I, not have regrets about it i that. actually enjoy like to this day i wish i if i lived in the northwest i would definitely buy one of those skulls and go out rowing cuz i love that and
1: if i had a boat i'd go out on the ocean and if i had a pony i'd ride him on my boat and we could all together.
4: Then I had a couple of friends uh, in the fraternity who were on the football team, uh, Chico Fraley being one of them. And uh, he was a scary, scary athlete, but a really nice, him. A really nice guy. And he said, coming out for football. We also had a guy named Tom Gallagher on the team who was... Six, eight, and three hundred pounds, and slim. He was a monster, and so um, where I, did they
0: position him?
4: He was on the offensive line, and he was one of those guys that was like, he didn't really make it in the NFL. But I was like, how the hell did Tom Gallagher not make it? He was the strongest, scariest guy on the team. Uh, Lincoln He's, Kennedy was the only guy that at was at his bigger height.
0: Than. They might have made him a might have made him a tight end. Uh. Mm. If he yeah, he could yeah. run,
4: I remember he ran like a five, like it was like a five 240 40 yard dash, which is
0: pretty good when you're dragging 300 pounds. Yeah,
4: it's, oh, that's yeah. humming along. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I did that for two years too much. And I didn't play, I played one year of football in in high school. Uh, and I was way, 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 way out of my league. Uh, and I think they liked me because I was I told a lot of jokes and I gained the trust and respect of the team on skit night and uh, where I nailed a skit. It was like one of my better performances. I look I'll look back on that as like, oh, that's a highlight of my career when I nailed it in front of the football team. And uh, I made fun of the team doctor who was then I realized I had screwed myself because now the team doctor hated me. Um, but well, I let's, let's, let's it.
0: jump from that because that's the first time in this interview, which I'm handling so poorly that you brought up performing, uh, entertaining mm. people. How, how, where did that happen? Were you doing that stuff in high
4: school or I, Were you in theater you're in killing school? this interview and you're talking to a person that talks almost as much as, well, I would say I even talk more than you. You did it as a lig, but I, as my wife will roll her eyes as soon as I start talking, like, and she, but can you please just, can we go? Can we leave this party? And I'm like, no, I still am, I have so many points to make. And then I'll just (laughs) blah, 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 blah.
0: Well, my wife has heard every story I've, I know. Yeah. So many times. That's part of our problem. I will. Uh, But, but, so when did you start, when did you, but when did you start saying, hey, wait a minute, screw rowing and then and, and math and and well, football. Oh, I, yeah. I want to perform it in, in front of an entertainment That was audience.
4: in New Jersey. That was when... Oh, really? Yeah, we did. So I was in first grade. I repeated, I didn't repeat first grade, but I went to something called transitional first grade, which was like in between preschool and our kindergarten. <laughs> and I don't even know if it exists today. I just knew that we took nap breaks and no other class did. And then the teacher would sleep. They should have kept that going in college. Oh, I think that would be a better experience. No joke. And you need a master at naps in college. I could take a three-minute nap. Uh, anyway, um, I did a – there was a – and I'm not kidding. Okay, so the ride, It's a Small World, had a elementary school play that you could do of the ride, and that which really shows you there was that – I don't know school like public schools were not very responsible when Disney was like here's a play uh it's based on the jungle ride now come and be on the ride spend a bunch of money here anyway um so it was all these it was this uh this kid's version of a a a stage show of it's a small World. world so there was all these parts like we need a monkey we need a lizard we need a snake and we need a bell ringer from uh, Lapland or something and so I apparently I just kept auditioning for all the roles and I kept and I did them all and my mom and dad had no idea that I had all these parts and they went to the little performance and they were like you were just so happy up there. You were just smiling the whole time and you were so They, they didn't say you were so good, no, but you looked not so happy. That. They were like, you were really farting around up there. And so <laughs> uh, that's the first time I stepped on stage. And I remember how much I liked it. And then um, then I, I think it was seventh grade is when I did a like a reading. And then I met these two guys. One was named Dominic DeLeo and the other was named Ethan Sandler. And then eventually I met this guy named John Atkins and we all were thick as thieves in um, seventh and eighth grade. And Ethan was a very accomplished actor at that point. Even as like a seventh grader, he went to the Bush School in Seattle and had already been in mm-hmm. like Seattle Children's Theater and he was the lead in a bunch of stuff. And um, so I did a play in eighth grade. I did, uh, no it was eighth grade. Uh, remember what it was yeah it was oliver and uh and i did it for the children's theater
2: and did you play the part of oliver no
4: i did not (laughs) i was too large i was already very tall (laughs) at that point Oliver supposed to be a witch. Yeah, wife. and I would look like, I would, look, I would be some sort of Guy Ritchie version of Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> but the kid was from India uh, and he could sing like nobody's business. He was such a good singer.
2: i do anything
3: for you, dear. Anything. But there was a
4: line that they changed because it said one boy rather pale. And he was not, pa- he was uh, from India and uh, so they changed it to rather frail and uh but um so that was i guess not so not so okay. pale and would not have worked in the lyric line what happened to that guy he was he wasn't the greatest actor at that point but he was really young so but he could sing he was in like re like the the star studded children's choirs of seattle or anyway anyway so that started off and there was a very we had a very good group of friends and um were in the ensemble it was called from from mercer allen children's theater or or mercer allen children's theater northwest i don't know what it was called i think it's still there um but we had this very core group of really close friends and we would act every monday night and we were working on stuff every day for two years uh uh
0: your own stuff or were you adapting other people's stuff or writing it was both uh
4: but mostly it was plays and then but it was it was adaptation some of it but yeah we we wrote some of our own stuff i wasn't very good at that uh ethan did that and then uh so anyway we that's how we so being like theater nerds and we were all playing sports so like ethan was the captain of the football team while doing all these plays he was he was an adult by then and i was just kind of like I want to be like him. He seems to have his shit together and that's what I would like. And so we, and also there was these, the two, two people I'm still very close with, uh, Amy and Suzanne, uh, their last name was Brahm and they were in every play with us. Um, a few of those people came out and really did well. Like Ethan is here in Los Angeles and uh, he is a, Accomplished writer, and he and I just did the family feud together because our kids go to the same school.
2: Welcome back, Celebrity
1: Family Feud, everybody. The McHale team won the game. Ready? I'm ready. I got 20 seconds on the clock, please. Come on, man, let's
0: win the money. Here we go. We asked 100 men What what does LeBron James
4: have that you don't? Talent. Uh, Dominic was Mancini on the soup. Oh, yeah, was he funny?
3: and seriously and truthfully. Like, it's one of my favorite shows I record n- seriously, but, like, I can't freaking stand Oh, that mankini guy. Oh my gosh. I mean, this past weekend I watched it with my mom and my sister, and we're just like, he's not funny. Like, no, I, like, we all thought that simultaneously and then, like, we all said it out loud, and it's just like, this guy's not funny. I mean, he's, he's I don't get it. I mean, clearly he's not supposed to be attractive. It's supposed to be fu- I just, I don't know, I guess it's supposed to be funny, but then I was trying to think, why is it supposed to be funny? Like, I don't, I don't get it, because he's not funny. The things he says are not funny, That it's just, it doesn't work with the show. It's, um, you know, because I get it. I get it's supposed to be awkward. I get that. I get that it's like a, it's like a weird, quirky, kind of like cheap show, you know, he always says it that's like low budget, whatever, but it's just stupid. It's just a stupid, stupid character.
0: By the way, legally for way podcast on purposes, on. I have to tell people that you know, this is actually it, an excerpt from, from Meet the, the Press. press. Like
3: he had the Mankini. It's so stupid. Clearly, he's friends with Joe McHale. Clearly, because it's the stupidest segment on the Soup. It's 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 ridiculous. It's stupid, and I'm not going to watch it until Mankini is off of there. I. Hate him! I hate him! I mean, it's like I don't hate anything, but it just ruins the show. And and also for the record, I'm, I I I I think Joe McHale's funny. Like I don't like him as a person, <laughs> but he's funny. He's funny on the Soup, um, and on Community. I really like that show too. Um, you know, I, I I actually you know got to meet him one time at like this Apple Store thing, and he's just like you know not nice. <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. I mean, I get that he's kind of an ass. That's his humor, but you know, really. In person, he kind of pisses his ass, but funny, nonetheless, and I will admit that he he is funny, but... Um,
0: and I think this part is from Face the Mancini Nation.
3: needs to go. I, I hate him. I hate Mankini, and I hope you all join me in the boycott. Boycott the soup this Friday, you know, we got a couple days before, and uh, just boycott it, because, you know what, now... No,
0: wait a minute. Now I remember. I so recorded this off of C-SPAN. I,
3: I hate him. I would write a song, saying how much I hate him, but that would just give him more fuel, so... So, Mankini, I absolutely can't stand you and the soup. Get it together. I don't care if he's your friend or your writer or what he is. He's not Mm -hmm. funny. He doesn't work.
4: Okay, who else besides Mankini, Joel? For 12 years, uh, John Atkins had a very successful band uh, called 764 Hero. And they opened for uh, Modest Mouse all over the place and wrote some of their songs. A A woman named Annie Conselmi who became Annie Paris. She was on Law & Order as the, as the you know, as the fellow prosecutor. And What's in it for Mr. Blanchard?
1: A walk. And he picks the right face out of the array.
4: What if I don't?
2: It's worth your while to try. he
4: was in a bunch of series and continues to work, and then... There's a woman named Rako Aylesworth who was on 24.
2: We are sending EMS, police, and rescue teams to the
4: site ASAP. versus <laughs> So there's all these people that came out. A lot of connections there, man. Uh, that came out of that class, and it was, um, it was really cool.
0: My, yeah, my class. I didn't have a group like that. Uh, but you must have been. was this...
4: quite the.
0: Now there was this one kid, um, and I don't know what happened to him. Uh, trying to think of his name uh jeffrey dahmer that was mm. it and he, he they said he had an eating disorder but i didn't know him very well and i don't know what became well of it. pat
4: that's L- let's different get back. than like performing that's you just brought okay. up i mean you probably know now he's one of the most notorious serial killers in american history but uh I know I know so it's really easy but to I criticize went from, like, somebody I had a closed that you don't know of theater friends and you're like I knew a guy that wanted to eat people that's how you I'm
0: just, I'm just trying to to make this relatable it's, that's all you made it the I don't have the pedigree
4: a, like, a, that you do uh, okay, you brought up so, a horrific... So let's get
0: back to you I'm sorry I tried to Wisconsin bring myself history. into this. okay um and you telling me this stuff I'm thinking why didn't it's always obvious in hindsight why didn't I why didn't I pursue theater with the same alacrity that I thought I was going to do sports at? Because this is where my heart is. This is what I want to do. I want to make people laugh. I want to, I want to make people feel something and I want to perform in front of an an audience. It sounds like you, it was was more of a hobby for you than something you started thinking of as a career at
4: that. I well, I knew actually in about seventh grade, I was like, this is what I want to do. This is, uh-huh. And uh I and I just remember thinking, if I have to ever get a real job, I'll just do this until I have to get a real job. And um I don't uh, I I and I was just I was and I was just like, I'm gonna do this until I can't. Uh and I, I was but I was but I had this like, oh, you gotta get good grades and you gotta go to college, you gotta do all that. So I had those kind of responsibilities that which flew right in the face of everything else I was doing. So school was always the back seat. I, and kids i don't recommend this i don't recommend blowing school off i just
0: i think i've wasted too much time uh not your fault mine because i want to get to almost we live well it'll been, happen
4: no time is being wasted yeah.
0: okay okay great. so so i mentioned this thing called theater sports mm-hmm. uh earlier um uh, it was great and and and, and almost live it, was there a connection to how you got to be Part of Almost Live. Were you an intern at yeah. in Almost Live? Is that so right? I, that's okay.
4: exactly it? So I was in college doing plays and I was at uh theater sports because I'd gone and seen them in junior high. Ethan's mom drove us there.
0: This is a place located down in Pike Place At Market, this
4: point, right? yeah, but at this point this version was near the university. They had switched theaters. Oh. At one point they were at the Inamon Theater. Um right. And uh, so anyway, we, this guy named Keith Dahlgren was on stage. I'll never forget it. And then of course, Randy Dixon, who was, who to this day uh, runs Unexpected Productions. And then a couple other, Deidre Ricketts, who is, uh, who is now a casting director down here in Los Angeles and has been for years. Uh, uh, There's another guy named Bob. And then uh, this woman named Barb Klansnick, excuse me, her name is uh, Frayne Masters now. Uh, you, please edit around that. Uh, this woman, just say this woman named. Frey. I don't even know how you're remembering so many names. I don't either. I could come up with three well, right now. This is all the beer I had last night, uh, including Frain Masters, who is to this day a very close friend.
0: Very close friend that you called Barb Klasnick
4: at first. This, just yeah. edit this part out. But she changed her. Oh sure, yes, you know I, know I, 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 know. I She will. changed yeah. her name from Barb Klasnick to Frayne Masters, which I still to this day. Can't call her and she gets offended and I'm like, What the fuck do oh, you okay. expect? Yeah. You're right, I'll definitely get yeah, it. So I out. could call her Frame so, Masters. So, anyway, uh
0: So I found an almost live bit where you and what's her name are playing an engaged couple talking about what they agree they have in common.
2: House or apartment. House <sighs> <laughs> dog or cat? dog, dog. <laughs> kids or no kids kids, kids.
4: Oh. Oh. tartar control or whitening toothpaste
2: tartar dog control,
1: control. <laughs> assisted suicide or lingering painful death lingering, lingering painful, painful death, death. Oh.
0: So how did how did you? And so you get uh, your. And I become, just thought no uh, to almost live. Yeah, as... no, but
4: I thought it was magic. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do, and then I really pursued it. And I uh, I get into college and I start taking classes. And I took a class in high school with a guy named Matt Olson, who you probably you probably remember mm-hmm. Matt. Yeah. Uh, he lives in Seattle now. He he was down here for like 15 years and did well. And he's what kind of classes? Drama classes? Acting no, we classes? took improv classes. And I remember oh, really? there was. We were taking an improv class from Randy, and uh, there was three of us in the class. And then a guy dropped out, and then it was just Matt and I for weeks. And it was the beginning. Oh, here's the doorbell again. Come on, I just have to. This is the problem. Yeah, he's My brothers.
0: If you're just joining us, you've probably grown a beard oh, by now, ladies and you gentlemen, can edit all. especially you ladies. And uh, but we're gonna get on, to gonna almost sure live got and in
4: Joel's time on almost live someone's come someone's in this marathon edition my house and i've never even seen them so all right, we're oh, this is a many podcast. Uh, so anyway um i did everything i could to get on theater sports and did that uh i and i loved it and i was on stage like four nights a week it's really where i cut my teeth and and i loved it and then my mom said you need to apply for an internship to uh almost live and i was Pat, I listened to you every morning when you, were at, um, when you worked at Cairo. And so I loved your comedy. I, I have since fallen out of love with it uh, yeah, after that. No, well, you were a kid. Joke.
0: My guests on the phone right now are the co-authors of a new book called Think Smart and Succeed. And the uh, co-authors are Lyle Bellinquist and Carl Duguehler. And first of all, good morning to you, Lyle. Good morning to you. And good morning to you, Carl. Um, Actually, Carl's in the other room. Well, um, Let me yeah, get him for okay. you. Hang on. Carl! If you're, if you're just joining Carl? us, we are talking, or, or we're going to be talking with Telephone. the authors of Think Smart and... Hi, this is Carl. Hello there, Carl.
2: Hi, who's this? It's,
0: it's Pat Cashman doing an interview regarding the book you and Lyle wrote. Right. Uh, Think Smart and Succeed. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. do I have you both now? Lyle said you wanted to talk to me. Well... See, the deal is when, when you have co-authors, uh, you try to get them both on at the same time. So you want me to get Lyle? Well, yeah, that'd be great. Okay. If you, all right.
2: Lyle! Telephone for you! Lyle!
0: We are um, yeah. interviewing the co-authors Live from
2: the radio. of a new book right.
0: called uh, yeah, grab it, grab it, grab it. Think Smart and... Yeah, this is Lyle. Yeah, Lyle, this is Pat Cash. I remember, yeah. Good, good. Uh, I don't suppose Carl is... No. Yeah, um, I can so, oh, just, just no. What Just stay on with me, would you? No problem. All right, I want to. I want to talk to you about the book.
2: You bet. What about it?
0: Well, in chapter three, you outline some steps. Uh, that... actually, I didn't have anything to do with that chapter. Oh, come on. Carl wrote that one. Hang on a second. Wait, no. Carl. Please... Would you please? Carl. Telephone. We are trying to interview the authors. Of... Hi, this is Carl. Yeah, Carl. Who is this? It's Pat Cashman. Oh, yeah. Now, listen to me, Carl. Listen to okay. me. Okay. Is there another phone there in the room or in the office or wherever it is you two are right now?
2: Right. Yeah, There. Yeah. we do. Okay. All right.
0: You stay on this phone. Okay. And then you tell uh, uh Lyle. Yeah, Lyle. You have him okay. get on the other phone right. so that we have you both on at uh-huh. the same time. That's a really good idea. Yeah, thanks. Hang on. Hang on a second. All right. All right. Lyle. Lyle, pick up the other phone. If this works out here, we should finally. So you get on the line with us. Be able to talk to the co-authors of this book, Think Smart and Succeed. Can you hear us? Okay, I hear you, Carl. Is Lyle? Are you there too? Am I where? On the phone with us? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Apparently you are, so that's good. Uh Right. So then I've got you both on the line at the same time now, right? Yes, you do. That's right, Carl. I'm here. Lyle? I am right here. Perfect. Okay. I don't know why this was so hard to do. I, yeah.
4: I, I don't know what the hang-up was.
2: What the what, what? was? Hang-up. Okay. okay. Oh, for crying
4: out loud! I loved your comedy, and so I applied for an internship at Almost Live and at your radio station. And I got both. I don't know how it all happened. but
0: Not simultaneously. Yes,
4: so simultaneously. It
0: was? See, my memory of it is that you did the Almost Live internship, and then that was over. Ooh. And then you said, Hey, I'd like to intern on your radio show. And I that thought, is how it almost live. Why would you want to do a dumb radio show after you've already no, that
4: is how been, it, been to the mountain? Well, I wanted, no, that is how it happened. But the way it worked was I got both in the same quarter, uh, at college. And my, it was because my mom was like, my mom literally filled it out. She's like, I'm applying for you. And cause I was such an ADHD your scatterbrain. Your mom, Uh, yeah and I would be like okay I'll see you later and I'm just gonna go dribble a ball for an hour and uh and then I got both then I decided to take the almost live one because it was you know it was a a television show with you know and you were on that and then I had to go I remember talking to you saying I'm gonna turn down the internship to take the almost live and you gave me some like faux shit about it you're like oh really Joel okay well you know I don't know if I'll ever talk to you again. And
0: I'm, The way I remember it is I did not want you to be the radio I don't, intern. I thought you were way overqualified. Well, for I don't know those qualific- have those
4: qualifications. But so then stuff. I did the Almost Live internship, and then I did you. Then I did your internship. So after the th- one quarter goes by, then, then I started working for you for, um, for another quarter when Dory Monson was your weather and traffic and news guy and uh and we all know what happened to dory right
0: i knew that he used to pal around with Dahmer a lot See, but i, you, I didn't you, hear what happened you need to, him to do
4: that. some this is your memory is very fuzzy and but so uh, sure but that's is, how yeah. that's how it all went down and I, I mean honestly i just wanted to be try to be your friend uh so it all worked out I'm,
0: well you were an amazing uh, intern and and uh, i'm gonna i want to talk to about some of your favorite bits on almost live because i don't want this to to go on forever but a couple of things on you being my radio intern is that you were extraordinary first of all more than once you'd show up with coffee and donuts oh yeah morning. on on your own dime you're not making any money no.
4: and, I, and i couldn't believe it i gotta appreciate myself my friend
0: well you did but the most amazing thing you did and you and you know what i'm going to tell you about is i started getting these letters at the radio station from this from this young man. First name was Justin. Oh, yeah. I won't say his last name. Oh, yeah. And he, uh, the letter started out kind of nice. They were like, Hey, Pat, I really like your radio show. And I like you on almost live. And I think it would be really swell if you and me and John Keister, and we all got an apartment together in downtown Seattle. Oh, and we just hung out together and we watched movies together. And I, and I wrote him back. I'm polite. I'm picturing, <sighs> An eleven, twelve year old. That was your kid mistake? Is writing him back? Yeah, and then so I'd keep rebuffing him—not uh, rebuffing, but I would just say, "Hey, that sounds great. Uh, you know, maybe another time." I already live; I got a house. Yeah, uh, but that was, it's nice hearing from me. Then the letters started getting darker and darker, yeah. and then, and then they would, then they even had more than veiled threats. Of yep. Them. I remember but these. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't respond to him, And then he starts sending gifts, which I would send back to him. And then they got even darker after yeah, that. Yeah, he didn't open his gift. And I didn't take it seriously. I, I just are, didn't because I didn't yeah. See, I don't know. See,
4: that's murder. You, you could get-
0: And you're a young guy and you're telling me, the old guy, that, hey, you know, you should employ a little wisdom here. This guy could be a threat. Maybe you should call the cops. And I go, oh, yeah. no, it's nothing. So then you... Uh, On your own volition, you didn't tell me you were going to do this. You drive down because the kid puts his address on these envelopes, so you see it's an address in Auburn. Mm -hmm. You drive down by by yourself. No, with Matt
4: Olson and I drove down.
0: Well, thank you, Matt. Because you go down, you find the house, and you park outside of it, and you watch. And at some point, uh, a car pulls up, and a kid. uh, I wasn't there, so this is what I remember. You telling me a kid that's got to be at least in his mid 20s yep. if not 30s gets out of the car and this is the guy that's been writing me yeah. the letters he goes into what is apparently is his parents house and heads down yeah. to the basement maybe apparently so then you came back to report to me hey this is not a little kid pat <laughs> you should take this seriously this is an adult uh who could uh yeah. who could be a little screwed upstairs yeah. and uh, you should take this seriously and report this i i never did but uh, th- the fact that you would take that kind of uh Interest in my safety uh, just
4: impressed the well, hell out of me. Well, I think also irresponsibly, I would get you would go, you would these letters would come and it would be like opening a bizarre Christmas gift, and because <laughs> we're gonna get giddy about it, you're like, you're not gonna believe what he wrote this time. And
0: well, well, he list. Remember, he one time he listed his favorite movies, oh, yeah. and they were all slasher movies. Oh. They're Texas Chainsaw Murder, um, yeah. or worse. Yeah, you know, they, those are the wanted us to me and keister and him to hang around the, with each other and there were
4: i mean thank god no one ever came after you i mean just, just so you know uh pat is a formidable guy he has since withered but uh he's not <laughs> small so you probably could defend yourself but who would have been ready for like a crazy guy who was sending you love letters essentially or like we're gonna be together so we're gonna do this
0: Anyway, enough about that. But it I, I also just, shows that you was, that you were just... the
4: nicest person on the planet, and I try to do. De- I try to emulate that and not be a dick here when people say they are, you know, they like me. Uh, uh, and so I've learned a lot from you on that as well. When you were just incredibly kind to every single fan.
0: Okay, I'm. I'm not. I'm not going to edit that
4: part out. Okay? And then you would give uh, me twenty dollars every time someone said they liked you. And that's should right. Continue to do that.
0: I don't even know how to respond to such kind words. So I'm not even going to try, but thank you for performing my eulogy early. Here are some bits. I'm going to throw some bits out and let's get to the almost live Yeah. Stuff. because when you're an intern on the show, pretty soon, if you've got any chops at all, you're going to start finding yourself not only appearing in mm-hmm. skits and pieces, but that you'll also be submitting writing as well. Yeah. And uh and I think I've heard you say this before, but one of your favorite bits, and it certainly was one of mine, we did it three times. Mm-hmm. The uh marvelous Bob Nelson wrote these uh, these bits uh that we'll call uh generically Hey Lenny. Yes. And uh and uh, I was Lenny, you were Ernie, yeah. and you're this kind of subservient, not very smart uh guy trying to learn things from Lenny, who's apparently as you first see him. Uh, really, a bad man. He he looks like a thug. He looks like he fell right out of The Sopranos. You he, were very he's, intimidating. You he's, he's smoking cigarettes. He's just a bad guy. And you're and you're enchanted with him. You yep. think you want to know what's on his mind? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Here, here's here's how one of those opened.
2: Hey Lenny, what are you, what are you what are you thinking about?
1: You ever wondered what a gun like
0: this could do to somebody, Ernie? Hey Lenny,
2: have you ever?
1: Have you ever... Uh, have I ever what? You, you know, have you have you ever... Uh, you have I it? ever trapped a man in an alley, pinned him against a wall, uh, and then gotten right
0: up into his face and said, You are a very special person,
2: uh,
0: a bright light in the universe, uh, yeah. and then given him five dollars and told him to pass the love along by doing something nice for a fellow human being? Have
1: I ever done that? Yeah, you've done that? What are you? Oh, I think you've done it I, I I know you've done it, lenny. you've done it, haven't you? <laughs> Let's take a little walk
0: okay so th- so we did this thing uh, several times yeah and and the the shoots were so much fun. you had so much energy as this character yeah I would
4: jump around and, uh, a lot whereas you and you just uh, had this cold stare, and then you would do nice things for people.
1: Oh! Lenny, Lenny uh, what are you gonna do, man? Shut up. What are you gonna do, huh? You shut what, up. What
3: are you gonna do, man? Huh, Lenny? Here comes someone. Huh? Oh. Hey, look, man, I, I don't want any trouble. If it's money you want, just take it. Just please don't hurt me. I'm begging you.
0: Do you know that you're a very special person? A beautiful light in
1: the universe and a cherished part of this miracle we call life. Often nice of you to say, I... Huh? Uh, now, I want you to take
0: this $5 bill, and the next person you meet, I want you to pass the love along by doing something nice for them.
3: Sure. Okay, uh, I gotta, I gotta get going, huh? I'll see ya.
1: shut up oh you ain't scared at all oh he's right up you to when you shut up i gotta think how much money we got left uh 20 bucks
0: okay that's enough for four more
1: yeah four more man let's get them shut up man. come on oh you the man uh,
2: whatever you say, you're the man. I say shut up. Okay, that's what I was just saying. Shut, shut up. up. Okay, I'm shutting up now. Just, just shut up. Stop saying you're going to shut up and shut up. Okay, well, if you say
1: to me, hey, Ernie, shut up. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Shut up, Ernie. Okay, Lenny. Stop saying, okay, Lenny, just shut up. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, uh, you, the last okay, guy you think would do nice things, yeah. that was his mission in life, to to play against type Right. all the time. You're like, yeah. I'm going to give you hey, $5. This is a brilliant dollars. idea.
4: Pass it on to somebody else and tell them. They may make the world a slightly better place.
0: Another time we broke into somebody's house and cleaned their house while they were gone and did the dishes and all of that. And and we always get punished at the end because we're we're places we shouldn't be. And these two guys don't look like they could be nice guys. Let's assume they're bad guys and we'll punish them accordingly. Another time. Uh, We, a woman bought a whole bunch of Christmas stuff. And we, when she walked away for a minute, we broke into her car and wrapped gift wrapped all of the presents (laughs) she had bought. And we got in trouble for that as well. Arrested. Anyway, I love that That a bit. You were so funny in it. And you were. Your energy played against my dark, creepy
4: character. That's why, yeah, that's why that thing worked.
1: Oh, you did it, Lenny! You did it! You broke in and you gave him flowers. Oh, that was so, uh so Phantom. You shut up, (laughs) okay, Bacon? What are you thinking about?
0: I'm thinking maybe I should vacuum. (laughs)
2: Okay, lady, oh, lady. <laughs>
0: great. we had uh you had a you did a, a signature bit to where it there was the james bond franchise has been around right. forever but jim carrey jim carrey was also really gigantic yeah and it was like at the zenith of his career and he was getting like 20 million a picture yeah and so you were in a bit called golden but you remember yeah, oh that yeah one?
4: where i basically played jim carrey from Uh, And very uh, well. God bless. Uh, Yeah, I remember getting my hair done like that from, uh, what do you call it? You know, the nature one. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I remember Keister going, this is a movie that he'll probably do, like where he plays a character, but he's a secret agent.
1: Money,
2: Penny? Get me 007.
0: Today's biggest box office star is now the world's greatest secret agent.
2: Yeah, yeah
4: he, he was right and I like remember that. Green River dance yeah you were Those, great in that because you could dance I that could helped. well I could I could I could pretend very well
1: now fresh from the cake soak pastures of Kent comes Lord of the Green River dance starring that riveting machinist from Boeing's Auburn plant thrilling says mud monthly Don't miss the power, the passion, the perspiration of Daryl Flatley as Lord of the Green River Dance!
4: Do you remember a bit you did called Bobby Tango? Oh, yeah, Bobby Tango, where he would sing movie themes.
0: Now, for the first time in music history, legendary pop singer Bobby Tango brings you this amazing musical offer. (laughs) It's Bobby Tango Sings the Great Movie Classic Instrumentals.
4: And I don't think, like, if you showed your kids that today because those that was a parody of a commercial where people used to go like you're going to get all the hits on these albums or tapes and it would list all the it would just on the there would be a crawl on the screen of all the songs that were included in the cd pack so but bobby tango just sang all the movie themes he because there would be no words so right it's just yeah he would sing you know, like you were just doing those star wars for example or whatever. yeah those were good times and, and i then that was one bit that i wrote that worked but i wrote so many bits that fucking failed like siri no, comedy, or speedy eyeglasses. At Speedy Eyes, we'll
0: go to any length to construct a dependable and reasonably comfortable pair of glasses. You'll wear your new eyeglasses with pride. The kind of pride that comes from wearing something that took five minutes to make. Contact lenses in now you, d- you were great. Bob. You and, and you were one guy, like I'm built, I have pencil uh, arms, you know, I, like pipe cleaner arms, a sunken chest. Almost everybody on the show is either kind of paunchy or ectomorphic. <laughs> You're the one guy that looked like he had some muscles and some seemingly, and, and, and obviously statuesque. Why, thank you. So we had you come on the show several times uh, as, uh, because of Mel Gibson movie Braveheart cute, yeah, was cute. really-
2: Would cool. you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom
0: at the time and you came out in this kind of nonsensical character but it would be live on the show yeah you'd come out without a shirt brandishing a huge
4: sword. Yeah, that was and, uh, I, I came out on a horse one time. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember the bit was about how Nordstrom had uh nail polish for men exclusively. <laughs> and I was screaming about how great it was and how we all needed to put it on and uh yeah, those that was I, that was easier to read because I had like a wig in front of my face and so it didn't look as panicked and a lot of it was just screaming. So I could kind of get around. There wasn't there wasn't complicated dialogue to uh, to say. So I was. You
0: would you would say this a lot.
2: They can never take our freedom. Are you with me? Will you fight? Thank you.
4: There it is. There's
0: a bit I, I always loved, and and at the time I didn't realize, you never told anybody that you had trouble reading the prompter, oh, but you did a stellar job on this one bit, which didn't get a lot of notice, that I called Seahawk Speculators. And, and it was basically, you and I are, and you'll remember this as I tell you about it, you and I are play-by-play announcers. And what we do oh, is we yeah, speculate no. on injuries that have gone down on in the field. We make them far worse, speculating mm-hmm. this could be a career-ending injury. Uh, they, he looks like uh, he's – I don't think he's getting up. I think he's unconscious. Then the guy pops right back up, and he's fine. He's fine. We yeah. never, never acknowledge that we – How
4: we, many times we- did we do that?
0: I think we only did it once, but that one stands out to me. Third and about two now. Flea Flicker to Bilodeau. Pass is complete to him. And oh! 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 is racked up and he is brought down hard after a gain of maybe two. And he is hurt, Bob. Really hurt. He is down and he is not moving. This is not good, Bob. And we would not even begin to speculate on the nature of that injury at this point, Jack.
4: It would be pure speculation, Bob.
0: It might be possibly a torn cartilage, cartilage I was gonna say. Or a ligament. And of course, Jack, you have to hope it is not the anterior cruciate ligament of one of those <laughs> very valuable knees or both of them but again we don't want to even speculate on anything of the- i remember because i, I, I remember screwed
4: up a line and i was so i was like oh my gosh they just heard me screw up a line because i said <laughs> career injury ending.
0: and while we uh, continue to wait for some official word jack could you explain what exactly constitutes a career ending injury
4: yes i'd be glad to a career ending injury is exactly that it's an injury that ends a player's career <laughs> Like a broken neck. That's a good example.
2: <laughs>
4: what about a crushed skull? That would almost certainly be an ending injury career. But again, we. Just but I had and but I had said it so slowly that they thought I meant to say it, and I was like, yeah, I don't even. Know. And I just kind of looked around. I think you kind of looked at me, and you were like, Well, I'm just going to keep on going.
0: Of course, we know that Beladu's family and his close friends are all watching the game right now, and back in his hometown, and no doubt worrying
4: and praying for him right now as we all are. It
0: certainly. Frightening words and thoughts have to be running through their heads right now.
4: <laughs> Fracture, contusion, concussion,
0: concussion, coma, vegetable, and of course, I think you got to laugh for it. Yeah, yeah for it screwing. Things. That was a that was a clever way to Good to say God. it.
1: God, yeah.
0: And then there's a bit that and you must have these things too. There's a bits that I thought this is really funny. This is going to kill, and for some reason, the live studio audience just doesn't. Oh, they don't yeah. react the way I expected them to. And there's been countless numbers of those. Yeah, but I was in a lot of one one I, we did together. It's called Literally Speaking. <laughs> and and so it started with a woman that comes on. My first guest is Lucille Scriptner. Hello there.
3: I can't tell you how happy I am to be here.
0: Well, that's what I understand, and that's why we invited you to the show. Now, why can't you tell us how happy you are?
3: I just can't.
0: Okay, then I guess that's about as far as we can go with this interview.
3: Do you have anything to eat around here?
0: You hungry? We could send out for something, I guess.
3: I can't tell you how hungry I am.
0: Well, then I guess you're out of luck because we wouldn't know how much food to order, now would we?
3: That makes me angry. How angry? I can't tell you. I didn't
0: think so, I didn't think so. I'm leaving. All right, thanks for coming by.
3: I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been. I know.
0: So you come on. Well, Mr. Brockleby, thank you very much for coming by. And you punch me in the face. (laughs) I, um, I see by my notes here that you are a man who lets his fists do the talking. Is that right? <laughs> and you punch me again. Ah, uh, <coughs> just, uh, just my opinion here. But uh, it seems kind of stupid, if I can say, to let your fists do the talking. <laughs> Why, why do you do that? Hmm? <laughs> What's the matter, Mr. Bronkelby? Cat got your knuckles? And this time I'm knocked completely out of my chair backwards. That was an excellent answer there, uh, Mr. Bronkelby. And I'll tell you. And I, I, thought I thought the physicality of now, the slapstick would make the audience go crazy, but it didn't. very much looking forward to your appearance on the Compton Report next week. <laughs> Don't answer. It haunts me. I hope you'll join me next week when we'll meet a U.S. senator who rides the gravy train, a woman who goes whole hog,
4: and a guy who's full of crap. You know him? (laughs) I'll never forget when you uh, you played like a guy on a blind date, but you had the uh, puppy cone over your head. Yeah, yeah because uh, you were scratching yourself too much. Yeah, that one, that bit played pretty well. That was a of bit. That one did bit. great. Yeah,
0: that that played Yeah, okay. Robert, uh,
2: w- what are you wearing?
0: You, you like that? It's aqua Velva. There's something about an aqua velva, man. Uh,
2: no, uh, actually, I mean the cone.
0: Is it that noticeable?
4: <laughs> well, that was the thing. I'd always put, I, like, Bob and I would talk about it. They were like, if we just put Pat in the bit, the bit's going to probably work uh cuz you were our Phil Hartman and you uh you always brought it and uh we always knew that if Pat was in it we were going to be okay well you're you're pretty nice to say that do you think I'm joking it's, it's true are ah. uh, you
0: um sound like me so you but you were really hitting your stride at almost live and and we we had no idea that the show was circling the drain we thought this this is going to be around forever it's an institution now yeah and I know that uh, me, for one, and Bill Stainton, the producer of the show for another, really wanted you to keep being a part of the show, but you, you, you had other plans.
4: Yeah, I boy, believe me, it was a very, I realized I couldn't believe what I was doing, which was uh, leaving Almost Live. I couldn't believe I would be giving that up because I got into graduate school to, for acting at the University of Washington, ironically, that I was going back to school uh, and it was, uh, I, yeah, that, w- and I was like, I basically tried to do both, which was nearly impossible and I couldn't believe it. Cause I was like, I'm making money right now and now I'm not going to be making money. I'm going to be spending money and I'm going to go into this classroom we're all going to roll around on the floor and make noises and, uh, I'm giving up this TV job, but my, my, uh, my logic behind it was I need to become a good actor and I need the stage time. And then I'm going to move to Los Angeles or New York. And I, and I was like, I just, it's something I have. I, if I don't, cause I knew that if I stayed at almost live, uh, I was like, I, I you you could, would fall into obscurity. Like I did. How dare you? You're st- you, there's going to be statues erected to you. And you know what There's I mean. I a... erected. And when you uh, made
0: when you made that decision, you got to move on. Was that an no. independent decision by you, or did somebody counsel you and say, "This is what you should do, Joel"?
4: No, I, that was mine. Um, I had this thing in the back of my head that I needed to go to drama school, and um, for as and and I think I had a decent. I think look, when I was when it was on almost live I was like I'm on I'm on this show I'm on this popular show it's working it's working and uh I mean obviously it was on the shoulders of uh you guys and the you know the how it started in the 80s and um but I knew but for whatever reason it was in my craw, like I need to to pursue acting in a more traditional way before I go to Los Angeles or New York and it wasn't like I thought oh this I did I mean there I, there was at that point there was no sign the show was ever going to end uh yeah. and then pretty quickly after that I think the when the when the new owners came in they were like yeah we're getting rid of this which was really weird because it was printing money for the station yeah uh, I think you
0: told me once that I said well what do you want to do why do you want to move to LA what's your goal and you said and your goal was no bigger than you said I want to be the wacky next door neighbor on a sitcom. I mean, you didn't even seemingly have designs on being a lead actor, which you became ultimately. You just said, "I want to. I just want to work."
4: Yeah, that's that was that was true. Like there was a side of me that was like, maybe I'll be Marlon Brando. No, but I I didn't really. Th- I just thought if I can just work, uh, then I'll be very happy. And I mean, was also I was also incredibly ambitious and competitive and uh all that stuff and
0: was it a tough sell for sarah your wife
4: no i told her before we got married i was like at some point we we're gonna have to move to new york or los angeles and she said that's cool so um th- that you know that <laughs> after we moved to los angeles she was one of the first people in her family to m- just get move away because her family all stayed in the same area and it it is a shock. We, even if you're moving somewhere where the culture isn't that different, if you're still moving somewhere in your your nation, it's still like, oh, we have no friends here. We don't know anyone. It's so weird. And uh, that took a while. And now it's very strange because now it's very much home. And I go into Seattle now. I'm like, what happened to that building? Where, yeah. What happened to those oh blocks of buildings? Where do they oh go? Oh, my God, yes. You're right. You're yeah. right. And so now, like, where, obviously, where we shot almost live and where King used to be is... Erased even I remember yeah. the almost live alley where we shot lenny uh where there was just condoms all over the ground yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that doesn't even it's all doesn't exist and it's
0: all it it's history but yeah. It, it's a it's a good history that show had a 15 year run Damn. and then they continued to rerun it so do they rerun uh, it now i think they stopped in september of 2019 i was told but i don't know for sure but even at that mm. that's a 35 year run that's that's, that's kind of unprecedented for
4: because i would still movie. tune into it like i remember having little kids and like babies and i would have to be up feeding them and then snl would end and then here here we came on, and I was like, Oh, this is and it would always be it would always be like these crazy lineups of like, well, we got Allison Chains in here, and uh, the Huskies are killing it, and the Seahawks suck, and the Mar-, you know, and I was like, Wow, everything's changed. This is all yeah, the Seahawks are great now. The huskies are terrible. It was always yeah, so but I I uh it's sad that they don't run them anymore because that was just free money for them.
0: Yeah, I know, and but Boy, those residuals were pretty sweet.
4: Damn. Re- what do you think re- bought re- me re- my my jet? You know, I,
0: I end every one of these things. Well, hold on.
4: Uh, Let me ask you what did you yeah. how do you have the footage from all the shows? Or how do you have any footage from the shows?
0: There's a wonderful man whose pseudonym is um George Buford. Real name Ken McCaw. And he is a longtime viewer of the show that has put everything up on YouTube. He recorded every show. And he puts every bit, you you put your name in there. I know your name will come up a million times. Just put your own individual name in there and then put almost live and you'll see all those bits like we talked about a minute ago will come up. That is my treasure trove. Uh, of how I'm putting these
4: podcasts. That's brilliant. I wish someone had done that with the soup because I think I have like four episodes of it lying around and whatever's left on YouTube. The local KTLA morning news show got into the Olympic spirit with a story about an 84-year-old pole vaulter. It's an inspiring story that shows us what we can achieve if we apply ourselves.
3: Guys like 84-year-old Denny Sullivan. Now, he's a senior Olympian who runs every day and pole vaults whenever he can. Yeah, I said pole vaults. This guy has also an amazing way of bouncing back. Take a look.
4: So remember, you're never too old to have your lowest moment broadcast to the country's second largest television market. And kudos to KTLA's producers for having the guts to take a stand against old people trying to accomplish something.
0: Yeah, so um, what I was going to say is that I always close these off, and thanks for the, the massive amount of time you gave us. Oh, I'll give
4: you more whenever you want. I'll come back. Uh,
0: I, I think this, we're going to see how this goes. I, I think there is going to be more. I, I think I want to talk to people like the guy who wrote the music for the show, uh, oh, the yeah. camera people, Mike Boydston, Daryl Suto, yeah. who not only was the cameraman, but played the part of Billy Kwan very reluctantly That's on the show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, all, so these, all these
0: wonderful people, producers and stuff. But I, I ask even guys like Bill Nye, I think I always know the answer. But for you, I'm not so sure. And the answer, the, the question is, if it had not been for Almost Live, do you think you would be where you are today? And in your case, you always had your eye beyond Almost Live, so the answer might not be the same for you.
4: I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I would say. I mean, first, the third, first thing that pops in my head is no. I that would not be here because Almost Live allowed me to screw up.
0: Did you? Did you use Almost Live? material as a sort of a a, a reel yeah. that you took down there with you
4: i will say um, well for i i will say almost live gave me confidence to, that i could be on camera and do stuff yeah and the fact that you guys supported me so well and took me under your wings and really because if, if i was on snl and was dyslexic they would have just i think they would have thrown me out in about yeah. two weeks um But so I, so yes, it gave me a huge amount of confidence that I was like, wow, I accomplished this thing before, you know, in my twenties, I got this thing done. I got to be on a TV show and the, and they liked me and it was successful. It was so wonderful. And, but when I got here, I had a whole reel full of like almost live bits and I swear to you, no one could, no one cared. And, uh, but then, I realized later on even people that were pretty fucking amazingly successful it meant nothing to a lot of agencies it only depended upon what were you, what what was hot right then and then they would be interested in you. Yeah. So I learned that on but I gave I gave them all these tapes and people were just no response and uh and I was like oh this is going to be much harder than I thought it would be. And uh, I just so that that so yes, I would not be where I am today. uh, And no, the tapes did not really help. (laughs) And uh, so it's kind of a strange uh, it's but but I definitely would not be where I am. But even like when I started the soup, I knowing just knowing about the camera, knowing about how that all works and knowing about the frame. I mean, just stuff, stuff like that. And so that stuff that that stuff I I came in already with a language that I could speak, and that's yeah. why I think I booked so many commercials. I couldn't get an agent, but I got a commercial agent, and that's how I made my living for almost three years it was just commercials. And uh, so I I um
0: as I, I remember, like, one of your breakthrough commercials was uh, I, can't, I think it was for jeans or something like that Dockers. I, I don't know.
4: Yeah. But Christopher yeah.
0: Guest directed yes. the commercial. And uh, I don't know if you can recall the story, but you yes. uh, either in the commercial or you were auditioning for it. And you told me that you looked up and he was over across the room watching the performance on a monitor. And yes. you said, and he was smiling. Yeah. And then, then he looks up and you make eye contact with him Yeah. and his smile disappeared immediately. Yes. He did not want you to know that he... Was, that's, that's exactly melody. yeah that is exactly
4: what happened and that she was you got er- the gig anyway i got uh yeah that actually happened during shooting okay. and i only booked the gig because the, the gig was that i was the only all these men were at this party and everyone was wearing cocktail dresses all the men were wearing cocktail dresses and except for me i was wearing dockers and 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 christopher guess where well, you can they wanted you to improvise and everyone was wearing these dresses and at that point I was exercising a lot because I had no jobs and no money. Uh, And I was wearing this spaghetti strap dress or whatever, and I improvised and I thought it went well. And he clearly already was going to go with his guys that were in all his movies, which I would have too. But one of the producers said, why don't you have the guy who's built with, why don't you have him come and audition to be the dancer? And that's how I got that job. And, um, I was real. I did kind of a, like a horsing around swing dance where I, at that point I was really strong and I could just flip a smaller person around and that's how I got that job. And that's why I was put into every single Christopher Guest movie after that. Oh, that's right. He didn't cast me in anything.
0: But that led to a million other commercials for you.
4: Ever see those cars behind the body shop? They kind of look like they've been there a while. So which one's yours? The blue one. They belong to people with discount insurance. You get what you pay for that's why i'm with nationwide With nationwide you can work over the phone over the web or over the desk you can even choose your own body shop wow looks great good as new hey what about
1: the guy over there him
0: <laughs> he was there when we bought the place
2: <laughs> nationwide is on your side Judge, 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 Judge. Judge. Hey guys,
4: Hi guys. can i get your attention Shh. good news you're all getting bonuses that could be worth up to $10,000. Fantastic Four Amazon Cash Cards. Don't those already come with our meals? Yes, but normally I would keep them. Right. And that is the bonus. (laughs) Upsize your BK value meal. Get a free Fantastic Four Amazon Cash Card. Hey Carl, thanks so much for taking care of the cat, the flowers, and everything. And if there's anything you need, well, you know where we are.
1: Ready? Yeah. Where are they going? Oh, never-ending pancakes down at IHOP. IHOP. Come hungry, leave happy. I've been investing. Oh, please. I bought EMI. You bought EMI? You own EMI, the music company?
3: Oh, well, I am so proud of you.
4: You want a
1: piece of my heart?
4: Oh, baby, start from the start. You want to be in the show? Come on, baby, let's go! Everybody's working for
1: You don't know how many times I wish that I could hold you. Don't you make my brown eyes. Ownership. It's for everybody. At Ameritrade. Everything you need to trade. All for $10.99. Every online equity trade, no matter how many shares you buy. Jam on it. I said jam on it. Open an account at Ameritrade.com and get 25 commission-free internet equity trades. 80 million Americans have a share. Ameritrade,
4: What's your share? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And uh and then of course it got to be like my first big movie that I had an actual role in was was with Matt Damon. So uh, that was uh like Informa, I couldn't believe right? Yeah, I couldn't believe I was like in a movie with Matt Damon. I was like this is this is what I this is what I was going for and it's happening. There's something I've been
2: wanting to talk to you about for a while.
4: Don't don't tell us anything. You have a lawyer now, and it's it's not like it was before. Uh, I mean, people I've met uh, through the I just I hosted an event with Angela Bassett, and we, mm-hmm. we're we're gonna do we do it every year, and I'm just like there's Angela Bassett right there, and we're on stage together. And uh, I met Meryl Streep; she kissed me on the lips, and that was uh, very. I don't I think hope you I admonished to, her for that. Uh, but it was. I've gotten to meet like the all these heroes and yeah. i can't really i it they begin i can't believe i mean malcolm mcdowell was on the fourth season of of community which was just like i cannot believe the guy <laughs> I cannot believe this is happening it's just fun to do you know and it's, it's uh, such a great cast this and um one of the more relaxed sets you could ever work on actually um joel and chevy uh, leading the way it's fun it's a lot of fun well you
0: um, know you read stories of, about all these terrible people in hollywood are rude yeah. but you you are the same person unless i'm horribly mistaken that you've always uh, been and that that's yeah. because of, of the way your mom and dad and i know it's corny but that that's how you I'm were raised. Dick. and you've got you know, all yeah. your values intact so i'm I... proud of you for that and i think of you as a son and sometimes I think of you as a daughter.
4: Bless you. Well, I remember. geez, I remember when Chris Cashman, your son, was in the bits and doing great, and I was like, "Fucking even his kid's funny." You know, you guys really. Like I was such a fan of yours, and I couldn't. It was in one of those things where I'm like, "I am now working with Pat Cashman. I am on a speaking basis. I speak with him. We he, have our uh, phone numbers." He doesn't look that good up close.
2: Huh?
4: It's funny. <laughs> I <laughs> remember when Steve Amber really Wilson, plays tricks. Like, Steve Wilson was like, oh, Have you ever had uh, Patty's pasta? And I was like, No. He's like, You've never been over to Pat's house? I was like, No. And he was, then Steve was like, Oh, it's so great. Like, you could see Steve just lit up like a Christmas tree because it was like, Oh, I got something for you. And it was really funny. God Buddy, you.
0: thank you very much. You know, thank I love you. you.
4: And uh, that was really fun. have
0: one parting shot. Go ahead.
4: Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan of yours, Nancy Cuppy. That wasn't what I had in mind. The Almost
1: Live Still Alive podcast. Produced and edited by Morris Patrick Cashman. Technical director is Dave Tavers. Special gratitude to the legendary Kenneth George Buford McCaw, Almost Live's chief archivist. And thanks also to King TV Seattle. This program was made possible in part by the 12th century nun and mystic Hildegard von Bingen, inventor of spoken language. And by Emil Berliner, creator of the microphone. And I'm your announcer,
2: that kid from Sluggy, Chris Cashman.